Welcome to the Notary Ninja Show with author, entrepreneur, business developer, and, well, ninja master, Mark Sias. We discuss side hustles, business opportunities, scams leveling up, and so much more. Just don't argue with them. It could cost you your life. You can reach Mark at LegalDocPrepNotary.com. Welcome to episode 11 of the Notary Ninja Show. Are we episode 12? I don't know. Apparently, there's like a 10-episode barrier to get past, and we're past that. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Notary Ninja Show. Today, we have Tyler Foley. This is a very dynamic individual I am excited to have on. Uh, He is a best-selling author, and he can be found at EndlessStages.com. He does acting. He does his own stunts. And uh, so, Tyler, welcome to the Notary Ninja Show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So, Tyler, uh, who is Tyler Foley? That's a really good question. The The short answer is I am a father, a husband, a son, a performer, former child actor, uh, safety professional, best-selling author, lover of fine chocolate, seeker of warm beaches, and friend to all I say hello to. Gotcha. That's that. That's well said. <laughs> I like it. So best-selling author, that's something that we definitely want to, we want to hear that. We want to hear about, about this book. And uh, so let's, let's go there. Let's tell me about your book. Well, the power to speak naked is uh, my, as I mentioned, number one, best-selling book. One of two number one best-selling books that I've actually been involved in this one uh, I authored myself. And then another one I did on pod match, uh, through Alex Sanfilippo, which is a, a service that you and I met on. Actually, I authored a book or co-authored a book on how to uh, really effectively use the platform to spread your message, which is what my first book is about. It's all about storytelling and uh, finding your inner confidence, being able to find the bravery to say the thing that you're afraid to say, to find your ideal audience and really spread your message in a powerful way on any stage that you can find and and point out the numerous opportunities. We actually have an entire chapter in the book dedicated to all of the places where you are public speaking that maybe you don't realize you're public speaking. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's uh, I got to hear more. <laughs> um, so what inspired you to write this book? Uh, so this is, are you about to hear the most uh, corporate answer ever? My agent told me to. <laughs> I was inspired because I, I wanted to be on larger stages. Um, I've been public speaking since probably eight or nine years old, uh, professionally speaking as a keynote presenter for the last decade or so. And I wanted bigger stages. I wanted to be uh, with the big names. You know, and I wanted to speak with Les Brown and I wanted to be on a stage and share it with Tony Robbins. And I wanted, you know, to be with uh, and speak with some of these these greats and giants in the industry. And my agent gave me you're cute. It'll never happen until you have a book kind of deal. And so I went, okay, well, so book equals big stages. She's like, no, book equals opportunity to then try to get onto the big stages. And I went, great. So book first. And she said, yes. And so what we did was we took all my uh, training material because I've been instructing public speaking for uh, quite some time now as part of my safety consulting practice, ironically. And so we took all of the um, 
training videos that I had accumulated. And again, as a former actor, I record absolutely everything. So we had hundreds of hours of video transcribed all of the audio from them and then compiled it into the book. And as luck would have it, it struck a chord with people and people liked it. So that was, that was really cool. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, it sounds like it's, it sounds uh, your approach to writing a book that sounds very original. Uh, you know, reason, I hey, thought it was original until I started talking to other people and they're like, yeah, no, I did that too. I'm like, what? Hey, you mean I'm not the only one. And I felt, you know, kind of like a, a gelfling if anybody gets that, uh, that reference. <laughs> Understandable. So, so that's cool, man. And then, so right to the bestseller was there, uh, it just, took, did you, what were your expectations for that? Um, honestly, I had no expectations for the book because originally when I was putting it together, it was strictly a vehicle for me to be able to say I had this offering, right? If you bring me onto your stage, I can make this book available to your audience. We can work out a deal where it's either free for them or we offer it at a discount. My original version of the book was self-published um, and we had a ridiculous price tag on it too. It was like $27.95 or something like that so that I could discount it at the back of the room and be like, but today and only today, because you're here at this event, we can give it to you for $20 cash. And uh, so that was kind of the marketing strategy behind it. And, uh, but it kind of took on a life of its own because, you know, the friends and the family get into it. And a lot of people actually really enjoyed the advice in it. And and I, that was warming to my heart because, you know, it was a sincerely sincerely written content it was just it was a very cynically written process where i was like this is this is going to be a business transaction i'm going to do this strictly so that i can present it to the promoter so that then the promoters have something to sell so that then i can sell my program and everybody has a win-win-win right the promoters get to have revenue from the program i get to be on bigger stages and by being on bigger stages, I get to help more people overcome what is one of the most common fears, uh, second only to falling in in all of the world. And, you know, really provide some expertise and, and do something good with my talent. <laughs> and so that was that was the, the nexus of the book. But then when when it really took on a life of its own. Um, you know, it, it hit the number one bestseller, which blew my mind. Cause I had, again, I had absolutely no mm. intention of, of doing it. It was supposed to be a promotional vehicle. And then it got into the hands of my publisher and, and, um, to have David reach out to me and say, Hey, would you like to, you know, would you like to have this published traditionally? Would you like to see this in bookstores? It was something that at the beginning of the journey, I'd never even contemplated. And so wow. to get that call two years ago and be like, yeah, we, we'd like to pick you up and, and, and represent you and, and be your publisher. I was like, okay, but why not? And so it, yeah, it snowballed from there to, to a place that I, I had no intention of it at the beginning. Wow. That's really neat. So now obviously this book, it sounds like we're, we're empowering people, um, you know, with speech or like you said, to speak what's on your mind, speak your truth. Um, did I hit that right? Yeah. So, and, and it's multifaceted. Yeah. So the, the, on its surface, right. It's a little tongue in cheek on the really bad advice that everybody always gets when it comes to public speaking. And that is picture your audience naked or in their underwear. And somehow that's supposed to make you feel more confident mm -hmm. or comfortable or whatever it is. 
I don't know because it's bad advice and I would never give it to anybody. Um, so it's my little tongue in cheek reverse of that where I'm like, no, man, I'd rather give you the power to speak naked than to ask you to picture your audience naked. Like, don't do that. And then a little bit lower, uh, you know, sub level to that um, is the idea that you don't need all of the fluff, right? Like you don't need flip charts. You don't need PowerPoints. You don't need laser pointers. You don't need a big AV team running sound and laser lights. You don't even need an actual stage anywhere that you are speaking to one or more people is an audience and an opportunity to spread your story and spread your message. So to have a naked presentation where you don't need all the fluff or you know, to break this myth that that is public speaking versus what is actually public speaking, that is opening up your mouth in a public place and presenting a message um, was really important to me. And then at the deepest level is what you had alluded to, where, um, you know, when we're presenting, if we want to really connect with our audience, it's that vulnerability, that ability to speak your raw naked truth tell your story your way and and really connect with your audience by opening up and saying those things that maybe you were afraid to say initially um and that's really how you connect well so you know all of those things are the power to speak naked yeah man you hit you just like you smoked through so many questions i had in that and there's a lot of there, there's a lot of nooks and crannies in there that we kind of have to pick apart but yes let's start with um you're saying, you know, a lot of people think maybe I'm just, let's just say they, I don't know, they're aspiring to start a podcast or a YouTube channel or anything of that nature. They kind of feel like nobody's listening. Um, but I think you should, number one, act like somebody, eventually somebody will be listening. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. I think that, uh, and, and then on that same token, ex expressing, don't try to be like the other YouTuber, the other person, just do what it is that you know and you like and, and that is a reflection of who you are. Um, but uh, did I get that right? I <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right. And, and then that's actually, and you alluded to a very, very good point, and that is don't try to be somebody else. You don't know somebody else. You don't know their story. You don't know their struggle. You don't, you know, even if you share similar circumstances around it, you don't know them and they don't know you. Nobody can tell your story better than you because you know the details intimately because you've lived it. You know, other people may have been involved in your life, like your, you know, your mother has been involved in your life since you were born, but she hasn't been there for every step of it, you know, because I know because there's things you're like, oh, I hope mom doesn't find out about that. Right. <laughs> and so but and oftentimes those are the really good stories to tell. Those right, are the, I, right. I hope my mom doesn't ever find this out. But when I was, I did this. And that's where you start to find your ideal audience, because and I'll give you a perfect example of it. I worked with um, just an absolutely amazing woman when it comes to personal development. Uh, her name's Erin Sky Kelly, and she runs this fantastic um, weekend program called Transformation Weekend. And Transformation Weekend was basically her distilling all of the best parts of all of the personal development programs that she'd gone to. So like uh, Tony Robbins' Date with Destiny and Unleashed Power mm -hmm. Within and some Brian Tracy stuff and a little bit of T. Harv Eker and it all kind of like combined into this, you know, essence of the best kind of thing. And 
uh, you know, for somebody who isn't as well known as those other names, and I've gone to all of those other names programs, yeah. hers is the best. Hands down, hers is the best. Uh, she, she, there's no fluff to it. There's no sales pitch. It's two and a half days of, you know, implement this and you will have a better life. It is literally a weekend of transformation, hence transformation weekend. That's and awesome. I'm going to have to, let me write this lady's name. Yeah, I got to write this down. Tra transformation weekend, Aaron Sky Kelly. And if anybody out there is struggling with debt, he's the author of the number one best selling book, um, Get the Hell Out of Debt, which I, by the way, strong, highly, highly recommend to anybody uh, Aaron to get. Aaron Sky Kelly. Aaron Sky Kelly and uh, Sky is uh, S K Y E. And don't just do Aaron Sky because Aaron Sky is a porn star. You need the Kelly. <laughs> You're getting a whole bunch of material you didn't expect and I didn't endorse. So um, good, to know, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Just subtle difference there. Just bear in mind. Um, but she she put on this program and because I was involved, I was able to send my wife to an event that she was doing in Victoria, which is a beautiful, beautiful part of Canada. And, and Jen got to go all on her own. My wife got to go all on her own and, and do her thing without me being around at, or involved in it. And when she came back, I was like, so how was it? And she went, I mean, it was all right. Mm. I was like, it's all right. I've, I've, I've done this with hundreds of people over you know, many, many years and everybody comes out raving about it. She's like, I mean, it was interesting. And, you know, you know, I, you know, I got the feels. I'm like, oh yeah, it sounds like you got the feels. So I was like, you know what it was? It's because, you know, Aaron has basically taken all of these different people and put it into one. Maybe we need to go to the source. Maybe we go, need to go to the number one guy, the literal giant of the industry. I'm doing, I'm working with Tony Robbins uh, or doing a Tony Robbins event here, uh, in our home city, he was finally coming to Calgary. I was like, I'll get you tickets to that. So I got my wife tickets for free. I even got her front row seats. She was in the sweat zone. Tony Robbins spit on her. You know, he was that <laughs> close, right? And as anybody knows, he he does actually spit a lot. But that's okay because he's a powerful man with a powerful message. And he's allowed to spray the audience anytime he wants. Right. So <laughs> he goes out and he does his thing and, and, and it's moving. I mean, anybody who's ever been to a Tony Robbins events knows the power that he puts into that. I mean, he has unleashed the power within, you know, he is, he is Tony Robbins, rah, rah. And, uh, and so after it, I'm like, so what did you think? And she was like, I mean, it was all right. You know, it was, it was kind of a moving thing. It was interesting. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And she's like, but that, that Nurka girl, that was, that was interesting. I think I'd like to go see that. And I was like, fine, you know, you want it. I can get the program. I can get the program for free. We're putting it on. Why not? So I get her, uh, tickets to Nurka who, you know, was selling from the stage and was coming back a few weeks later. And, and she goes to Nurka's thing, which is really based around hypnotism and NLP mm -hmm. and, uh, which is what Tony's is based on, which is what Aaron's is based on. Yeah. There's plenty of merit to it. Yeah. yeah, she comes She comes back from Nurka's event and she's like, did you know that thoughts become things? Did you know that you can control your destiny by what you're telling yourself every day and that if you change the things you tell yourself, you can change the outcome of your life? I'm like, yes, yes, I do know that. That is what you've got over the last few times. But it was the messaging that she got from Nurka versus the messaging that she got from Aaron or Tony. Right. You know, they all say it just slightly different and they all present the material just slightly different. Nurka is not Aaron. Aaron is not Nurka. Nurka is not Tony. Tony is not Aaron. Aaron is not Tony. They are none the same people, but they are teaching very, very similar things. Right.
but your audience will resonate with the word and, and the physicality and the emotion that you bring to it that is different from those other people. If you embrace who you are in that moment and you don't try to put on this false pretense, if you just come you, right? Like I am a public speaker trainer. If you Google public speaker trainer, I bet you I'm not the hundred thousand that comes on the list. You know, there's so many that are going to be uh, above me, mostly because I refuse to invest in SEO because I just don't mm-hmm. care, <laughs> right? But the people who hear my message who resonate with it, right? There's going to be people in your audience right now who are coming in and will be like, yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me. And there's going to be others who are like, yeah, no, I already knew that. And for the others who are, they already knew that, then that great, right? But for those who resonate with me, those are going to be the people who really like what I do. The same way that the people who are listening to you regularly, who are coming to the Notary Ninja show, are like, no, that's that's a story. You know, I uh, this makes sense to me. I I gravitate to that because of you know whatever. Insert the reason. It could be a thousand because your bio is just as interesting as mine is. Yeah, that, you know, that's true. You, you touched on a lot of that. It's funny. You, you mentioned all these, this host of people. And it, I, I relate well to uh, Brian Tracy. You know, he's very, um, he's very uh, eloquent. But um, I think he puts he puts his ideas down in such a very easy to digest format. But again, they're all great. I mean, Tony Robbins, I, I would say he's, he's, He's he's going to be the reigning king for a long time. But um, yeah. it's interesting to hear that, that, like, you know, how your wife showed up and she it just didn't resonate with her. But it's, you know, different strokes for different folks. Exactly. And and that's the key for for people. I think, you know, the, the biggest problem I find in the industry right now is the word authentic, because I think it is grossly misunderstood and drastically overused. And I think the, the better thing to be aware of is that. Uh, authenticity is synonymous with self-awareness. If you don't know who you are at your core and you can't show up unabashedly you without any of the fluff, then you're not going to resonate with an audience because we as human beings have an innate BS meter. You know when somebody's fronting, like you just know. And there's, there's, there's a tonality that comes with it. There's a physicality that comes with it. We know when you're just slightly off. And it's like rotten milk. You're like, I don't trust that. It expired two days ago. It's it's kind of, I think I could get away with it, but I don't want to chance it, right? For the majority, it's probably safe to drink, but there's just this off chance and you can't quite put your finger on it, but that thing's starting to curdle. And that's the problem when people try to front and be a thing that they're not, as opposed to embracing who they actually are. And a lot of it comes with just the lies we tell ourselves. You are not there yet, you know? And that's okay. That's the other thing. Like you, I am not Tony Robbins. I'm not Brian Tracy. I'm not even Les Brown. And I've had the privilege of being on stage with two of the three of those people that I just name drop. But I, what I am is Tyler Foley. Right. And as long as I'm okay with that there, cause there I'm looking at those giants of the industry going, man, I want to be on that stage with you. Right. But there are people who look at me and go, I don't even know how you get up in front of a podcast every day and talk to the people. Right. Sure. And so that's that's my audience. Those are the people who who look to me going, I wish I could do what you do. And I'm not trying to make them do what Tony does. Right. I'm going to 
show them and guide them along the way how to do the thing that I do. And in the meantime, I'm going to continue building and learning on my craft so that I can maybe one day be referenced as the definitive public speaker. And people are like, yeah, no, did you go to that Tyler Foley event? And no, everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. I can see, I can see it happening, man. I, I totally can. You've got the energy for it. Um, obviously, as somebody who uh, has been in uh, nearly underwear on a wrestling ring, which is like a stage. Uh, it with is a, a stage. It's not a like a stage. It, it is, is a stage. stage. You got to trash talk. Obviously, public speaking. There's no fear there, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, and that's crazy to me that that is such, that that is. It's, it's it's like people are more afraid of that than death, but. What would you say to somebody who, okay, so let me think of my audience, like an, an aspiring entrepreneur uh, who's probably not going to be in public speaking. They're just engaging with, uh, you know, the general public with transactions. What would you say to them? Like, how could they apply some of these stuff that you're putting down here? Well, first of all, that is public speaking. And that's my point. So many people don't realize that they are public speaking when they are. And those are the perfect interactions to start with. Because if you can master those, those are actually the hard ones to do because you have instantaneous feedback and somebody can interrupt, mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. Like those, those one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two sales transactions, interactions, um, the, the pitches, you know, I, I, I instantly had a picture of a person selling life insurance to a family, you know, and they're going door to door and, mm -hmm. you know. Maybe the husband's on board and the wife is like, nah, because uh, uh, I, I know the finances and we're not doing this or vice versa. And, you know, having to break down those those barriers where if I'm on stage or if you're in the ring. Right. And you have 10,000 people who are there, who that's the other thing, too, about a stage like a stage like that, where you have a venue where people have actually paid to come. There's always the expect there's already that expectation. They want to be there for you. So that audience is on your side. I feel bad for the people who are literally going door to door or are trying to do those microtransactions day in, day out, because those um, those public interactions, that public speaking is the most difficult. And if you've got that nailed down, uh, then it's a quick and easy transition up to the stage. And people would think that, you know, and because that's the the myth. Right. The more people, the scarier it is. And you're like, no, man, when you have 10,000 people cheering your name, that is not terrifying. That's exhilarating. That is uplifting. That is, that's the pinnacle right there. You know, instead of having right. door slammed in your face, the doors are wide open. Right. The ball's in your court. Um, I mean, that's a good point to drive home there. I always try to tell people that, uh, you know, to, to look at things not as an individual, not on a transactional basis, but look at it like from a lifetime customer value and look at the investment that you're making in yourself. And it sounds like to me, really a lot of people I think would benefit from you know, maximizing their ability to communicate. In fact, I think there's a statistic somewhere that the better people communicate and the better their vocabulary is even, the higher this direct correlation to their income level. That, that's actually, uh, I, I, I know the study and Brian Tracy references it as an axiom that he constantly presents. You know, you're not a good public speaker until you know 20, 20 ways to say the same thing. And I'm like, wow, I know about five. <laughs> I'll work on it, Mr. Tracy. I'll work on it. You know, 
And but it is true, the larger the vocabulary, the higher the earning potential. It's actually one of the reasons why, despite the fact that my wife and I really can't afford it, uh, we are definitely sending my daughter to a private school uh, for as long as we can continue to scrape and sacrifice Um, strictly because she the school uses language and vocabulary. I'm learning new words from my seven year old daughter. And I have a fairly good and established vocabulary right. myself. Like I'm not. And I'm a public speaker. And it's, yeah. Hey, that's great. And that's she, handed, right? Yeah. And she comes, she comes to me some days and she's using words that she's heard from school. And I'm like, did she just insult me or is she really, really smart? What is, I don't know what she just said. Yeah. And that, and that to me is important. Like her private, her school even has a, a, a debate team and a public speaking competition within the school starting in the first grade they're they're trained that as part of being world citizens that it's important to communicate it's important to be able to um have debate without argument and have reasoned discussion and that to me is like a critically missing skill in today's day and age um I used to be really good at it, and I've actually lost that skill. I got into an argument in the dressing room of a hockey game the other day that it just infuriated me to the point where I ended up leaving angry and breaking my stick, which sucks because goalie sticks are not cheap. And uh, they, and you know, because I, the the gentleman that I was having the heated debate with uh, was definitely didn't understand. Robert's rules, which is ironic because he's a former city councilor. And um, I I was not in a mindset where I was able to present reasoned thought anymore. And I remember going back and reflecting on it and being like, I bet you my seven-year-old would have handled that better, including not having the temper tantrum that cost $600 worth of sticks because mm-hmm. I broke two. <laughs> well, on a positive note, it sounds like you're getting your money's worth out of private school for the kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh no that school is worth every penny my it, it's actually an unbelievable motivating factor for me too because i do not want to have to sacrifice that level of education for her despite the fact that it is a very real struggle for me and my wife to continue to keep her in that school um i think she and her future is worth every penny of it and i'm willing to do it i, I told my wife the other day i'll sell the truck before we take her out of the school and i mean every word of that Right. You know, that's awesome. I actually appreciate you, you know, being candid with that. Uh, it's, it's funny. We, um, we had, you know, I'm down here in Florida and, uh, we run, you know, we run this business. Part of this whole notary ninja show is that I have a, I have a successful business and teach people about that. But we had just a few months back, we had a hurricane, man, it knocked out two of my cars and I had to go pull money out no car. I had to go get a car, you know, to keep, to keep things up and running. And it meant it cleaned us out. And it yeah. was, uh, I felt like a bit of a fraud. I'm like, you're out here trying to tell people how to run a business and you just cleaned yourself out, you know? Um, but, uh, I'm a public the- speaker who's been on stage twice in the last three years because of some global bug that was running around. Right. <laughs> You know, like all of my events got knocked out. I, I my last event was March seventeenth, twenty twenty, and we had the governor, former governor of California, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, on as our uh, keynote, 
And, uh, you know, it was a great event and the world literally shut down a day later. Um, oh, no, the, our event was March 11th and, and then uh, the city actually shut down March 17th. So and then I didn't I didn't have an event go. We had a whole bunch planned, you know, mm-hmm. and at the time, everybody's like, oh, this will shut down for three months. And I was like, OK, you know, I'd done uh, it the end of 2019. We had uh, tested the power to speak naked as a, uh, as like a, a two and a half day workshop. And then we were going to build out a five day seminar ar- around that as well. And uh, we were supposed to be doing that. And then 2020 was a wash and we we're going to do it in 2021. That was a wash. We we're going to do it in 2022. That was a wash. Uh, I ended up the we only ended up doing one event in 2022 and that was in dallas in may and so yeah i you know that had a real hit on my revenue that had a real hit on my credibility it hurt because a lot of my offers that i was giving people was the opportunity to if you take this and you train with me one person will get the chance to be on this big stage with these big names and now i don't have those big stages of the big names nor do i have the live in person training and that's the other thing too with my public speaking training yes i have a film and television background yes i love teaching the camera presence and and getting people comfortable in front of the camera in this new virtual medium can i do it absolutely is it my passion no my passion has always been the stage my passion has always been those one on one personal mm-hmm. interactions those one on many because the thing is in an audience of 10,000 i'm still having one on one interactions i'm just duplicating it over and over and over again and i'm you know maybe doing micro interactions with people for a couple of seconds but i'm trying to connect with everybody and i want to teach people how to do that i want to show them the joy that can be a stage and when you can interact with people in that way and that's a really hard thing to do virtually i need to be in front of you i want to see what you do on stage i want to see how you react to 250 eyeballs staring back at you that's pretty cool so well i mean i guess on a positive note things are uh, shaping up but uh so tell me what's uh what's next for you uh exactly that i was uh, i yeah it's always that one step forward two steps back um i had six events that were planned this year and uh, I was on the phone with the promoter on the 29th of January uh, of December, um, working out some of the details. We were getting uh, some of the venues worked out, contracts in place. And then on the uh, 30th of December, he passed away. And so and he was the event like it's his connections. It's his relationships that he's built over the last 25 years. And uh, so now I don't know what is up so the the last three or four weeks have been um really trying to analyze what where where are my connections like who do i know can i find new stages reaching out to my agent you know uh because it was nice when i just had the in with the promoter and could be like i want to be on your stage but now i've i'm reaching out to my intermediaries again, you know, reaching out to my agents, reaching out to connections that I've made in the industry, finding out if there are some opportunities to get out there and really focusing and doubling down on, you know, the endless stages program that I've put together and making my training available as best as I can uh, on a virtual format to try and reach people who then can come together and, and meet in person. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I like, you know, like from a podcast 
just a host, man. I learned so much from having people like you on. It's a, it's really cool. Um, I actually had a few weeks back, I had a guy on, uh, Sean Boyle, and he had told me about this book of Alex Ramosi's. I never even heard of Alex Ramosi. He went and read his book because Sean said to get it. I'm going to go check out, uh, Aaron here now too, but, uh, yeah, man, his book blew my mind. I completely just from heard about him from Sean, Sean, funny how you're like, I don't do SEO. Sean was like, do this SEO stuff. So I got some stuff from him, but I heard about this from, uh, this Alex Hermosi from Sean and, uh, read his book, completely revamped one of our products and the pitch page and everything just from just this guy, just, just dumping ideas. So I really yeah. like this. I like this, you know, it's, it's a virtual um, stage, but it still has its merits. It still has its value. I think probably from your perspective, it's probably a lot more revenue uh, doing the stage <laughs> stuff, but. Um, well, it's know. just, it, it's not that it's a lot more. It's that it's, um, it's more predictable for me because it's a model that I've been doing for 10 years, right? I know that if I show up in front of 2000 people, that there are going to be approximately two to 600 that will be um, actively interested in what I have to present. And I'm only the maximum that I do in my events is 300. So I am going to sell out my event if I can get in front of at least 2000 people. And the nice thing about the uh, power of success when I had the privilege of speaking with them was, you know, they were six, seven, 8,000 people. You had people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tony Robbins and Phil Town that were anchoring those events. So when I got to go on and do it, I, I had a very, um, very engaged, very active, very interested audience. And it made my, it made my life easy um, because I could come out and be very specific with who I was trying to target now. Uh, and I love these podcasts. I'm the number one ranked guest on Podmatch for the last 20 months in a row. I, uh, you know, I helped co-author that book with Alex. I, uh, and I've been on over 350 podcasts in the last 18 months. So this is definitely, uh, a medium that I enjoy at particularly what you'd mentioned too, the relationships that you get and the knowledge that you get and the connections that you get and the insight that you can get. My only, uh, the disadvantage to this is I don't see the instant feedback, you know, the right, it's hard episodes to release. Yeah. Hard to measure the metrics, out. right. And, you know, and even if we have, you know, the links to the programs and people can come do it, um, it's on their time and their leisure versus when I was at the back of the stage and I'm like, you have to get this right now because we are coming back in four weeks. Right. And if you haven't signed up now, you won't have the room for you. So you're going to want to do it now. And, you know, and now, and the thing is, is I was always able to do that without feeling scummy. Like it was like, because I hate that back of the room sale where you're like limited time only and you have to go now and sense of urgency. There wasn't, I wasn't trying to create a sense of urgency with it. It was just the logistic realities. We booked the venue. It's four weeks out. We're going to do this thing. If you don't buy the tickets now, we're not selling it any other way. So if this is a thing that interests you, let's do it. And if it's not, it's not for you. And that's okay. You know, <laughs> there's about three other guys who are going to come on after me who are about to change your life profoundly. I'm just a former child actor who wants to teach you how to be a better storyteller. So you don't like what I have to say. Wait for Phil Town to come out, man. He's going to change your finances for the rest of your life. 
And, uh, you know, it was, it was an easy thing to do where this one, I just, I don't know. Um, I don't know who I'm speaking to. Then what's wonderful about this medium though, is there will be somebody who is listening, you know, when the episode releases and, or maybe like a, a recording later on. And they'll be like, I heard you on the notary ninja show. And I really, really liked what you had to say. And I'll get that message like months later. Isn't that crazy? That's that's always cool. I'm like, wow. So my message is, you know, to have a because the 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 drawback to the stage is once it's once that message is out, like it's done, like there's no replay. Where this people have that ability to come back. And so there's that perpetuity that I wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah, that's a good observation. And I like your take on the uh you know, on the events where it's kind of like take it or leave it, you know, it's a position of authority. We actually run our business uh, a lot like that, where, you know, we offer a service and this is our price for these services, pay it or don't pay it. You know, well, I'm not going to sell you on this, pay it or don't pay it. And that I got other stuff to do otherwise. Um, but, yeah. Uh, if I can't, if I can't translate the value of what I'm offering in five minutes, like that's the thing when I was on stage, because I'm like, I was essentially a filler speaker, right? We have, you have these anchor speakers who people have come to see, and I'm there to really provide content and to help maximize the back of room revenue for the promoter so that the promoter can, can break even or better. Right. And so mine, I only ever, ever had 25 minutes tops. And if I couldn't give you the value within five, I shouldn't have been on that stage to begin with. Because I was there to give you a couple of quick snippets. Write this down. If you, you if you think you can action this and you want to learn more about how to do it, come to the event. If you don't think this is valuable to you or this is not a thing that uh, you're going to work with. And I recognize too that the majority of that audience was not going to action my my offer because it wasn't for them. And that's, and that's the great thing about that statistic, right? 70 to 75% of North Americans polled have expressed anxiety around public speaking. So you would think three quarters of the room would be your perfect target audience. The problem is only 3% of people surveyed were willing to seek professional help to get better at it. Wow. So I'm not, you know... Despite the fact that more statistics, 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 15 per, uh, represents a 15% increase in your earning potential, as we had discussed earlier, and um, represents a 10% deficit if you don't. So people who, who are afraid to public speak usually have a 10% impotence on their earning potential, and they have a 15% higher probability of being promoted if they do learn public speaking. So it's actually like a you could be increasing your wage by over 25% if you just mastered this skill. And despite telling people that, only 3% are going to action it. So like I said, I go to a room of 2,000 people. I know that at most 600 will perk up and go, yeah. Now it's a little bit higher at those events because they tend to be entrepreneurial. They tend to be business-minded and focused. So right. growth-minded, uh, yeah. Just from the demographic, it's a little bit higher, but even still, they're looking at me going, why would I trust an actor when I could go to a lawyer and wrestler? And you go, eh, good, good point. Don't trust the wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Don't trust the wrestler. He's going to throw uh, you into the turnbuckle and then life will be over. Yeah. 
So, hey, yeah, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, so child actor and you did actor who does his own stunts. Let's hear about that. Sounds sounds like a sounds fun. Oh, that was it was a really fun uh, time in my life. I actually um, I started on stage when I was six years old, which was uh, a real gift for me. It's one of the reasons why I'm so comfortable speaking in front of people, because I was on stage before anybody ever told me that I was supposed to be afraid of being on stage. And fear is a learned behavior. Right. Anybody who's had children knows that they will go up and they will touch the things that are dangerous, like a hot stove is bad and you have to teach them. This is the thing that you're supposed to fear because they don't know to fear it until you tell them. And that's very the same with stage. Kids don't know that they're supposed to be shy or afraid until we start creating the, the boundaries of stranger danger and, and all the rest of that. And particularly when it comes to stage, if you don't tell them, hey, listen, you need to fear all of these people looking at you. Children are natural performers. So when I was six years old, I went out and was like, hey, look at me. Life is good. And I wanted the attention and my attention seeking behavior was rewarded versus punished. Mm -hmm. So that was awesome. And then I got to be on stage and do all this cool stuff. And as I got into my later teens, I went to a fine arts high school, specialized in musical theater with a minor in film and television. Then I really got into film and television performance. The uh, community that I grew up in had a very... Uh, vibrant but small film um community so we did a lot of filming here but there wasn't a lot of production if that makes sense so like things like legends of the fall filmed in in around my area and unforgiven um, even the first two supermans came and filmed all of the iowa stuff here um what else is some of the big names like recently recently and this was not the case when i was young but recently we've had Shows like Under the Banner of Heaven and The Last of Us, Fargo films here, uh, some pretty um, Winona Earp. So some really cool shows film in the area. And so I always had because I was one of the few actors when there were child roles, I was always auditioning for them. And a lot of them are Westerns. And my, you know, I grew up in a very small town, um, very, very rural and all my family are ranchers. And so like I knew all the stunt coordinators because all the stunt coordinators were the horse guys. And so like Tommy and Ron Glass, when they were uh, wrangling, they always needed horse wranglers. And because, you know, I was friends with their niece that I was able to go and, you know, do all this stuff and their granddaughter and all these people. So like I got to do, um, I got to do, be involved in those stunt realm for at an early age without ever doing stunts so then when i got to vancouver my agent was actually right beside a stunt school where these guys came and trained and they trained every day so i'd be in there and these guys would be throwing each other around on mats and and practicing you know hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat stage fighting and all of these really cool things racket pulls and i was like i want to do that that seems fun and eventually I got to know a couple of the stunt guys who then introduced me to a couple of the stunt coordinators. And I was starting to really have my career progress. So I got to a point where I had like dedicated stunt doubles and I was like, that's cool. And then I got to, then I, you know, I got to do a couple of my own stunts because the stunt doubles, they either didn't need it or I was, I was able to do it. And then the next thing I knew I was doing high falls out of six story windows. And I was wow. like, this is this is really, really cool. 
And, and so it was just this weird kind of like most things in my life, it was this weird progression where you get introduced to this one thing and then you start pursuing it a little bit more. And the next thing, you know, you're doing crazy things like falling six stories into cardboard boxes. Yeah. Not even the cardboard boxes, not even the uh, airbags. That's, well, so that the thing is, is an airbag at that point is too, too big for that kind of a fall. That's kind of like that tipping point of, of, uh, boxes to airbag, right? So that five, six story range, because an airbag is often one and a half, two stories. So you're only going to fall four stories where a layer of eight cardboard boxes is eight feet. It's not even a story. And both are going to like an airbag really compresses a lot. Like it needs to be that bag to decelerate your, your uh, fall. And for me, I'm 135 pounds and five foot eight. So I can hit eight to 10 layers of, of boxes. I only need four deep to do a one story fall, right? I'm not going to crush into the, I, I might crush two layers, maybe three. And so, you know, you add a couple of layers per floor. I can do it. I can do a six story pretty comfortably into 10 layers of boxes. That's pretty wild. So is that, I mean, it's, I know it sounds funny coming from somebody who wrestles, but, uh, the, actually, the wrestling floors themselves actually have flex. They have springs underneath them, so they flex. Uh, they're yeah. like a typical wrestling mat, like the collegiate or the Olympic, but um, it has that flex to it, which you still, you know, you can still hit it pretty hard. Mainly, you get would get like canvas burn. But anyway, I'm going on a tangent. Let's. <laughs> do you work your way up to six stories? Do you start at one and then do oh, yeah. two, do three? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of training that goes into it. And before you're ever hitting boxes, you're hitting foam pits and you're working on on trampolines, um, going off of, um, you know, like basically going to a gymnastics gym mm-hmm. and uh, and doing it that way. So it's it's a real, um, real progression and trying to learn your um, the hardest part of learning to do the box falls is learning to control your momentum and, and your spatial awareness and being able to calm yourself to the point where, cause it's real easy for those things to go fast and be over in a blink of an eye because you're only falling like two and a half, three seconds to pops, tops, tops. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and that can go by either super fast or super slow. And the key is, is to slow everything down so that you can experience microseconds within that fall so that as you're falling, you can be in complete control of your body and you have full spatial awareness so that when you need to do, because you do a tuck and a roll at the end, kind of spread out your mass and your momentum. And you'd know very similar to doing a fall off of a high rope and you want to get wide and take up as much space as you can. Um, and I, d- I used to do mat falls too. Like a, when you do like um, a bar fight and, you know, you'd get punched and thrown over something. And if you didn't have the table to break your fall, you had to use that slap to uh, still yeah. momentum. Um, but it was a very similar thing with the box fall. So you had to time that rotation. Right. And so I, most of my training had, I was never at height. I was bouncing on a trampoline and not very high. Like it wasn't, the goal was not tight on the trampoline. The goal was to get high enough that you could get horizontal so that you could then fall and figure out 
how little space and how little timing you needed to do your rotation to be able to properly arrest your fall. Because that the quicker you could get that in at the end, the longer you could make the super big dramatic arm and leg flare going down with the yeah this sounds like a um it sounds like we could relate well with the wrestling very similar very similar strategies involved with that that's really cool man that's uh my hat's off to you because uh i i I'll might jump six stories into water, but I don't know about cardboard boxes. <laughs> the funny thing is, I'd rather do the boxes than the water. Yeah, I bet it probably like water. You have surface tension, so you there's you have to. Well, be... there's a couple of things with water. So not only is there surface tension, but the higher you are, the further down into the water you go, the longer you have to hold your breath. You don't know if it's warm or cold. It's probably cold because the only way to get a surface that deep that can handle that kind of a fall. It's probably a natural body, which means it's like three degrees. And again, I'm 135 pounds. I have zero natural insulation. So even the worst stunt that I ever had to do was for the movie Jack. I had to, um, with the late, great Anton Yelchin, rest his soul. I love that kid so much. We had so much fun on set. And um, there was a scene where he gets mad at his dad they're out fishing and he jumps out of the boat and swims to shore. And I had to do, I had to double for him for it. And, uh, that was freezing cold Bunsen Lake up in, uh, Vancouver. It's a glacial fed Lake. Uh, so it's just, um, snow runoff in, in Northern Canada. (laughs) And then it's like, you're, it was, I think it was like two or three degrees in that Lake year round. Like it didn't change. It was, it was freezing cold. And I had a, a dry suit on, which made the swim really super awkward because the dry suit gave me buoyancy. Yeah. And so even with all the clothes, it was just, it was just awkward. I remember feeling like I was, I was flopping around like a fish and, uh, but that was, that was brutal. I hated, I hated the water, but the thing with the box fall is if you do it right, you know, you crinkle the corners, right? So there's no, there shouldn't be any hard edges and you, you know, um, when it when the fall is arrested like you just you you hit and everything kind of just slows down and stops instantaneously but you're still breathing you know that like the falling into water you're like and then how quickly can i get to the surface and then is there shock that comes with i hate water i hate water with all the passion if you haven't noticed i guess so no we uh we like to jump out of uh Cypress trees here in Florida, um, into alligator infested water, but, um, yeah, but at least know. they're warm alligator infested waters. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Uh, so you, you know, we hit on this, you, you were really good at driving this point home that, you know, refining your ability to communicate, overcoming your fear of communication, I uh, can have a direct effect on your income, uh, is that something that somebody would want to get a hold of you if they wanted to? This is how somebody would reach you if they wanted to explore that. Is there are there other things that somebody would want uh, Tyler Foley's help with or would want to read your book for? Yeah. So if you are trying to discover your story, like the, the biggest thing that I help overcome and where most of my clients start and are stuck is this um, misconception that their life isn't interesting or that they don't have a story to tell because somebody else is doing it bigger, better, stronger, faster, greater, longer. 
And it's just simply not the case. And, and again, getting them to focus on them and, and not somebody else so that they can then focus on an audience uh, and, and give them that expertise that only they know because of their unique circumstances. And so really discovering that story, um, figuring out who your ideal audience is based on that story, speaking from the lessons that you've learned, the scars that you have that have told the tale along the way versus the open wounds, which is where most people uh, tend to start to make that mistake, where they're speaking from uh, a place of, of rawness that is still festering and it hasn't healed. So you're like, no, 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 let's let's step it back a little bit. Let's let's look at those scars that you have, because those are the lessons learned. Finding what those lessons are. You know, and then helping them do what Les Brown says uh, better than I never tell a story without a point and never make a point without a story. Well, if you're going to be landing those points, you need to know what your stories are. Nobody knows them better than you because you know those details, but telling them effectively, learning the real art of storytelling, stage presence, and understanding that stage presence and storytelling is not just for the square circle. It's not just for a proscenium thrust. It is not just for a stage that has lights coming on it in an auditorium. That effective storytelling is critical on those uh, smaller interactions in the boardroom with clients on a day-to-day -day basis, even within your own home. You want to have a really effective communication strategy with your spouse and your children, learn to tell stories really impactfully. You know, I can explain things to my daughter so much easier when I go, okay, I want to tell you a story about the time that I did this. And then I walk her through because I know what the point at the end is, is for the love of God, don't go outside without your mittens. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, live in really... Canada and it was minus 40 the other day, you know? So uh, you being able to uh, really effectively communicate that way um, is important. So anybody who's interested in that, that's, that's, who I like to work. So the book is a power to speak naked. Did I get that right? The power to speak naked. Yes. I'm going to pick up a copy of it and uh, oh. I'm definitely, definitely interested in it. I'm, I'm getting a copy myself, the power to speak naked. And the site is endlessstages.com. Endlessstages.com. And if they, if they do come there, um, there, we're going to give them a whole bunch of freebies, but only, only if they can do me a favor first. And that is they're already on your platform. So if they're enjoying the notary ninja show, and if they are getting value from what you are providing, right? Because otherwise there's no point in, in coming and listening to these past couple of episodes. So if you're starting to become a regular listener, if you're enjoying the content that's being presented, if they could do me a favor and leave a five-star review for you so that more people can find the show, which means more people will hear you and me, which means that you will have the ability to find other guests that are serving that community that you're developing. Uh, it, it's a win-win-win for all of us, you know, particularly yeah. you who is listening to this right now, because the more information you can provide in your review, like what was your favorite guest? What was some of your favorite takeaways? Are you picking up some of these books that are being recommended by these random strangers that are coming into your ears each day? Like, are some of these uh, valuable tips that you're getting? And if you're you're getting value out of it, then be very specific. And if you're willing to do that, then if you come over to Endless Stages and you come to it through our landing page and not by going on Mark Zuckerberg's site and just looking up Endless Stages mm -hmm. there, because you can get to it there, 
but you won't get all the freebies. Some of the freebies you'll get right. by coming through our landing page are a free PDF uh, download of the power to speak naked. So if you don't want to spend the $17.95 that it's currently priced at on any bookstore and or including online, uh, and you want to see what it is like for free, come through there. We'll give you a free PDF. I'll also give you access to my uh, training series, the Drop the Mic, which is a very quick, easy to digest, uh, week-long program. It's divided into five-minute segments. So your maximum investment is 35 minutes, five minutes a day. And I'll give you really quick insider tips and tricks on to doing better presentations, being a more confident public speaker. And if you like that, then we can uh, discuss more of it inside of Endless Stages, which is our free Facebook group. And I go live every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern to uh, talk about whatever happens to be the hot topic of the day that uh, week. And we'll do a live training for about 20 minutes. And it's a real interactive uh, program. So for anybody who's interested in that, by all means, come to endlessstages.com and check that out. But give the Notary Ninja Show a five-star review first. And and then that will be my gift to you. No review, no free stuff for you. No free stuff. Hey, man, I'm headed over there to get some of that. It sounds like I can step up my game with what you got going on there as well. So. That's really good. I can I can tell by this whole conversation that you are you. I, I, I'm glad you came on. That you were one of the top guests. Uh, I saw that when I was going through your bio. I'm like, man, this guy is not playing around. But uh, we're glad to have you on the show. I hope that people listening got some stuff from Tyler here. Um, man, it's been really insightful. Like I said, I, I love having people like you on because I learned so much um, myself that has has benefited uh, my business and day to day life. So. Thank you, Tyler Foley, for being on the Notary Ninja Show, guys. Until next time, stay cool. All right, let me catch.